With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to Talk Nerdy to Me Radio. It's our book and television edition. Um, it is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. I am Megan, and I'm here with the ever-lovely Kristen. What's up, Kristen? What up? I'm ready to talk about books and TV. Me too. After our summer hiatus, we are back in business um, to continue to talk about all things nerdy. And we have lots of really good things we're going to talk about today. We'll get some news, talk about some TV, talk about some books. Um, and then our main discussion is going to be about the second book in the Harry Potter series, which is Chamber of Secrets. So lots of things to discuss today. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited. Me too. Speaking of excitement, let's start with our entertainment news. We are having the Olympics. Yes, the 2020 Olympics is happening, and it starts. Uh, well, the, some of the, act, the the events are going to start tomorrow, but the opening ceremony um, is going to happen on Friday. Um, now, a couple of things about the Olympics. Um, there's no live audience, so there's no one going to actually to um, observe the Olympics who aren't athletes or people who are running the games um, because of COVID numbers not looking so great. Uh, the other thing is the time difference between Japan and the United States is so drastic that if you're going to watch any events live, it's going to be between 1.30 in the morning and like 5 in the morning. <laughs> so everything is going to be recorded to watch later. So don't look things up on your phones. That's my, my only advice. Uh, well, see, or, I firmly yeah, believe I must watch female gymnastics live, or it'll be no much, no fun to watch later, because then I already know who won and it's half the scores. And so I have it on my calendar. It is each day it airs is from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. And I already told my boss I was watching TV at work, so I'm ready. Man, you, I guess gymnastics gets a better hour for the female soccer team. The first game is today oh, yeah. at one thirty in the morning. So one thirty in the morning is USA oh. versus Sweden. There's a couple of games at four thirty, a couple of games at six, 
but it's all really bad. So basically, I'm turning off all my phone notifications and telling people to shut up and not post things so that I can watch it at a time that I am not sleeping. But you're super into (laughs) the Summer Olympics, right? Like gymnastics, is there anything else that you're really into? Gymnastics, swimming, of course, because my daughter's competition swimmer, and I was in love with Michael Phelps for the longest time. Not really. I just thought he was fantastic to watch. Katie Ledecky. Um, there's a bunch of some young ones I'm excited to see swim. I'm also very excited for diving. Um, I've heard some good things about the synchronized swimming competition. Um, there's just a lot of stuff uh, this year that I'm like, I'm going to have to catch these on the NBC app like after the fact, because I won't be able to stay up and watch them all. For sure. So Olympics, lots of sports to watch. Some some events are starting, like I said, tomorrow. Um, and then the opening ceremony will be happening on Friday, um, which is going to be interesting. I don't, interesting, different kind of opening ceremony, I imagine, because of um, the fact that this is not going to be the Olympics as we've always known it to be. Um, so we'll, I'll be curious to know what that's going to look like. Usually it's a big party, lots of things, but we'll, we'll see what it looks like this Friday um, for the opening ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kristen. Um, we are on the verge of all of the premieres um, for new television seasons. Um, and many of the channels have released their fall schedules. So Kristen, do you want to talk about that? I cannot emphasize enough how anxious this made me because I am still catching up on last year. I don't know how because I worked from home. I should have been caught up, but I got real lazy with my TV watching. I haven't finished SVU. I haven't finished Organized Crime because I struggle, struggle bust with that show. Um, so I'm trying to catch up on some things. I finished catching up on some some Paramount shows like Blue Bloods today. Um, but CBS, NBC, ABC, and the CW have all released their fall lineups. They are phenomenal. Most shows are coming back September and early October. Um, we've got, like, the, the Chicago One series all coming back September 22nd. Uh, Law & Order is coming back September 23rd. Um, Station 19 and Grey's Anatomy on ABC coming back on the 30th of September. Survivor's coming back after a, quite a long hiatus. On, uh, from CBS Paramount because of COVID. They couldn't compete and do a competition overseas. So they're coming back, um, just everyone. And literally, end of September, there's like a three-week period that all the shows are going to hit at once. And it's going to be amazing. That's awesome. We'll be watching. We'll and the new CSI is coming back. A lot of TV. Nice. Yeah, they're bringing back the, the original. The original CSI is coming back. That's gonna be that's gonna be good. So lots of good things to look forward to um, in the TV realm. Um, go ahead and go to CBS, NBC, ABC, and CW to check out um, those fall schedules and detailed um, to see when your favorite show is going to start. All right. So um, now it is the time for me and Kristen to either promote or warn you against a particular TV show that we watched. So Kristen, what have you been watching? All right, so I've been watching two things, and I'm trying to take my time and, like, savor it a little bit so I don't binge it all at once. Plus, I'm back to working full-time in office, so that – I just can't do that anymore. Um, but I'm watching Home Before Dark from Apple Plus. 
um, TV, Apple TV Plus, excuse me. Um, season two just dropped. Season one was amazing. If you haven't seen it, it's based on the life of a real, like, um, investigative journalist whose daughter is like a miniature investigative journalist. Um, it's based on his true life, and then, of course, it's dramatized. Um, but it's a really good series. It's dark and twisty, and the little girl that plays the main character is phenomenal. So check out season two. And then I've also, I just recently downloaded Peacock to prepare myself for the Olympics because a lot of their stuff is streaming on Peacock. And um, it's free, but they do have additional ones that are 4.99 or 9.99 a month if you want to check those out. Um, but they have a new series called Dr. Death based on the life of Christopher Dunch, who was a doctor in Dallas, Texas, who maimed slash killed 33 of his 38 patients in a two-year period before he, they figured out he was a sociopath. And it's phenomenal. It's, it's a dramatiza- dramatization of his life starring Joshua Jackson from, like, Dawson's Creek. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, three episodes in. And it's only eight episodes. So check it out. I saw the previews of the the Doctor Death. It looks yeah, it looked super interesting to me when I when I saw it. So that's cool. I I look forward to see how that show progresses as you watch more of it. Mhm. All right. Uh, what, what I you watch? watched is Loki from Disney Plus. I didn't want to talk about it until I saw the very last episode. Um. I'm super into these Marvel TV shows. I think usually DC does a better job with TV than Marvel. I think Marvel has bitch slapped DC out of the TV um, reins because all of the shows that have been released, whether it's WandaVision or Falcon, um, Falcon the Winter Soldier or Loki have been phenomenal, like phenomenal. Um, I'm not going to give too much away from Loki because there's a lot of big things um, in that show that you kind of have to see for yourself. Um, I do believe it is setting up for um, the movies. Um, I can't, uh, I think you could probably see the movies without seeing the first two TV shows. I can't imagine that you can watch the movies without watching Loki. It's a pretty big plot point. And I think it'd be very complicated to explain in the movies. Um, so I definitely recommend watching it if you're watching if you're a fan of the MCU movie world. Um, it's super interesting. Um, if you're a comic book geek, you'll probably uh, recognize the storyline a little bit. Um, but it was fun. It was provocative. It was thoughtful. Um, it was well acted. Um, and thankfully, there is going to be a season two, um, which was announced at the end of. Um, when the season ended. So uh, it's going to be, it's a great show. So if you haven't started watching it and you're an MCU nerd, go for it. It's awesome. Hmm. I uh, haven't watched Loki yet, but it's on my to-do list, which is getting quite long. I found out. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's true. Everything, like when we talk, when we come together to talk about nerdy things, I do keep a running list of things and I add to it. And it seems like the list is getting longer and my progress on it is not going fast enough. So there's just right. too many things. It's true. Um, but that's, it's definitely a good one. So, And I think it's going to be an important plot piece for the movies moving forward. I'm so curious yep. how they're going to play this. You need to watch the TV shows and the movies thing that they're they're seeming to do. 
how it's going to work out for them. But I dig it because I'm crazy. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. All right. So let's go on to our New York bestsellers. So what's going on in the fiction world, Kristen, when it comes to our hits? There's actually quite a few new ones. The fourth and fifth slots are have been around, but I don't know if we've talked about them. So in fifth, we have people we meet on vacation. Um, it's been on nine weeks. It says opposites Poppy and Alex meet to vacation together one more time in hopes of saving their relationship. This sounds like a romance. Um, number four okay. is the last, the last, excuse me, the last thing he told me by Laura Dave. It's been on ten weeks. I just ordered this book, so I'm expecting it soon. Um, and it's Hannah Hall discovers truths about her missing husband and bonds with his daughter from a previous relationship. Sounds the synopsis on the back of the book is so much. It sounds amazing. So I'll keep you posted on if it's good. Um, the Third is Falling by T.J. Newman. This is new, and it's a kidnapper demands that a pilot crash his plane with 144 passengers on board to save his family. That sounds intense, and I'm going to have to read it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then number two, Nine Lives by Danielle Steele. After tragedy upsets her stable family life, Maggie must decide if she will take a risk with a thrill seeker. Uh, Danielle Steele is really known for her, her romance. And then The Paper Place is in first uh, by Miranda Cowley Heller. It's new. After an extramarital dalliance, Ella, Elle must choose between her husband and her childhood love. So another lots of romance on the, non, the fiction list this, this week. Very cool. All right. So let's go let's figure out what's on the public's conscience because that's what the nonfiction list is. What are we obsessing over and can't sleep at night about? Um, so number five has been on the um, New York bestsellers list for quite some time. Um, Killing the Mob by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard. Uh, number four is Trio uh, by Danny Trio and Donald Logue. Um, this is new to the list. The screen actor describes how his past, which includes heroin addiction and prison time, has informed some of his roles. It's moments like this that realize that I don't have very much to write about. Like if I was going to write an autobiography, I don't have any heroin addictions in my life to talk about. I need to like work on that, I guess. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Number three is the body keeps the score. It's been on the list for 46 weeks. Um, It's how trauma affects the body and mind and innovative treatments for recovery. Number two is This Is Your Mind on Plants by Michael Pollan, um, or Pollan. Is it Pollan? That'd be funny if it is. Um, it is a look mm-hmm. at arbitrary beliefs surrounding opium, caffeine, masculine, which are derived from plants. Um, and number one is How I Save the World uh, by Jesse Waters. This is new um, on, the, on the list. Um, the Fox News host recounts his career and prescribes a way to defend against what he considers left-wing radicalism. Don't you love that a title sounds very, like, nice and, you know, harmonious, and then you read the synopsis, and it's about bashing the political party you disagree with? Isn't that great? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so politics um, and mental health seems to be the things that we're into right now. 
I like it. It does. I always find it funny to see what nonfiction is trending. And uh, I haven't forgot of our deal. I plan on reading Cast. Is it Cast? Cast? It is Cast, yeah. Coming up here soon. I'm going to knock it out of the park. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like it. All yeah. right. So what are some thoughts that are on your mind? All right. So some recommendations of some recent reads I've had the joys of taking part in. Um, I just finished a book um, earlier this week, this weekend, uh, The Girl in the Headlines by Hannah Jane. It came out last Tuesday. Uh, it was phenomenal. I've read four other Hannah Jane books, and this has been my absolute favorite. I've given some of her books like three out of five stars. This was hands down five out of five. Literally the first sentence in the book is like super, like you're in the thick of the story. Um, And it's about a girl who wakes up in a hotel. Um, She's 18 and she can't remember how she got there. She can't remember anything of what happened the day before. Um, and on the news, it says her parents have been killed and her little brother is missing and she is the prime suspect. So this, like, guy at the front desk that's her age, like, helps her, and it's her trying to figure out what happened so she can, because she doesn't think she did it. And it was fantastic. I don't want to tell you any more. So good. It's a YA fiction mystery thriller. Fantastic. Read it, read it, read it. So that was my first one. (laughs) And then the second one okay. I just read with my book. <laughs> second one is from Book Club. It was The Duke and I by Julia Quinn. Um, it's from The Bridgerton Show. It's the book it's based on. Um, and it's significantly different than the show, which I was really surprised by. Um, but I would highly recommend um, reading it because it's funnier. Um, and it's not as sex-driven if that turns you off in the show. Um, There is some sexual scenes, but not until, like, closer to the end. And the rest of it is just more funny and not as dramatic as the show is. Mm. Okay. I like it. And that's it. Right. So, Megan, what are you you currently reading? Um, I'm currently reading a nonfiction book. It's called Sea People, the Puzzle of Polynesia by Christina Thompson. I realized I know a lot about history, um, but there's, there's gaps. Um, and in terms of like my Filipino Polynesian history, it's pretty weak. Um, so I made a, I made a pack with myself to, to read more of those stories um, so that I can include more of those stories um, in my teaching. So um I'm reading that one. It's written very easily. Um, it's a really um, good book. She is obviously by the name Christina Thompson. You can kind of guess she's probably not Polynesian, and she's not. She's a white lady. Um, but she's married <laughs> to um, a Polynesian ma- man, and so she it was a researcher, a historian, um, and she wanted to learn more about her kids' histories, right? So um, so it, it kind of it came out of a labor of love, um, and it kind of reads it like that. Um, and so I've been enjoying it. So if you're like me, and That's you're awesome. like, man, I don't know anything about Polynesian history except for Moana, read it. 
because Moana is not necessarily That's Polynesian awesome. history. Good movie, though. How about you, that. Kristen? What are you reading? So you're going to be shocked. Shocked, I tell you. I am okay, reading okay. a nonfiction book. Non-fiction. Yes, it is called The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line, and it's untold stories of the women who changed the course of the World War II, and it's by Major General Mary K. Eater. It's so good. So I love historical fiction because I love reading dramatized stories, um, the things people experience, but I also found right. that I want to know, I feel like we're in a time when People are forgetting, and I read statistics in this book today that said today yeah. it was like 30%, 30-something percent of Americans, 31%, and then 41% of millennials in general do not believe that the Holocaust even happened, that 6 million Jews did not die. And that Isn't that crazy? Mind. And I was like, we can't. It's it insane. Like, and, every- I can't it makes my head around me it. as a teacher so confused because I know that at least everyone in my district does teach it. So it makes me wonder how many schools are not thoroughly bringing that part of our human history to light in a way that is oh, yeah. impactful. Well, like, I was that's- ashamed. I, I read a thing. It was like, ask your child how many Jews died in the Holocaust. So I asked my, I think she was 12 at the time, I asked my 12-year-old daughter, I said, how many Jewish people died during the Holocaust? And her response was, what is the Holocaust? And I was like, what are they teaching you in school? You are 12. And so I sat and made her watch movies, because I knew she wouldn't sit through a documentary. But I made her watch The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Yep. (laughs) Uh, To get like a little visual there. Um, but seriously, this book goes over so many different, and it's different women. Like some were like with the S, uh, OSS, um, some were, um, people in camps that helped keep people, other people alive. One was like a Japanese yeah. child who grew up to be an American and did all the things that she was actually like, saved by American soldiers, and she later got to find them and thank them. And so it's just all these different stories. Each chapter is, it's like short stories. Each short, each chapter is a short story about this a certain person's life. Uh, most of them are dead now. Um, and But it's just fascinating to see the things that they did where women in World War II did not get recognition. Like, the women in OSS were not recognized as veterans, even though they were spies. They were over in, like, France and such, like, spying on the enemies, um, dating Nazis to get information from them. Um, and they were not yeah. getting veteran rights for 60 years. And so this book is fascinating. I think everyone should have to read it. You know, it sounds, it sounds crazy fascinating. I'm adding it to my ever-long list as we speak because it sounds... Yeah. It, it sounds crazy awesome, but it's true. There's a lot of people <laughs> who um, have done something for our country that we don't recognize as much as we should. Women who serve, um, African-Americans who serve don't get enough credit either. Um, but So it's really cool that you're you're reading about those histories and that you're encouraging other people to read about those histories because I think it's incredibly I do. important. And it has, 
it has made me want to read other nonfiction to get other sides of it. So I've been looking into other books about World War II. Um, that time frame fascinates me. And I feel like we're yeah. so close to falling into that same problem that it's just interesting to educate myself on it. Yeah, especially the rise of fascism that seems to be happening across the globe. Not just in this country, but like across the globe. There seems to be a rise yeah, in this weird authoritarian yep. mindset that is, yeah. and this like downing of democracy. So everyone, watch yourself. Anyway, um, what is going on in the book club? So book club, um, we, it is July, we are reading The Duke and I by Julia Quinn, which is the book I just recommended. I have already finished it this month. Super easy read, guys. Um, Come join us. There's still, what, 10 days left in the month, 11. Plenty of time to read it. We have two discussion questions up. We post every Friday. Um, We're over on book clubs. Just go to book clubs, create an account, search just one more chapter book club. Our logo is purple and white. You can't miss it. Um, and then for August, we've just announced our August book. It's going to be The Woman, Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. It's a mystery thriller about this guy who goes on this very small, like, cruise ship trip, and he sees a woman get thrown over, but none of the guests are missing. And so he starts investigating, and things happen. So I'm excited to read that one as well in August. <clears throat> that one does sound fascinating. So go ahead. Go check that out. Come join for reading and answering and discussion. Yay. It makes reading more fun. Um, I've heard. I just always think that I'm too busy for book clubs, but maybe I'm not. Maybe that's just all in my head, and I should get over it and join. But I yeah. heard it's good. You should. <laughs> all right, Kristen. Are yeah. you ready to enter the chamber of secrets? I'm, I'm so ready. I was born ready. You're born ready for this. All right. So last time we did books and um, television, uh, we talked about Sorcerer's Stone. And how we kind of frame the conversation is um, me and Kristen are going to pick a couple of like scenes from the book that we thought was super cool. And then we're going to like name who won the book because every book I think has a different character that shines. Um, So we'll talk about that. Uh, we're also going to go over some of the major um, characters that have been introduced in the book or some major, you know, places or parts of the universe that were introduced, um, as well as the themes. So let's start off with the themes. So I think with Sorcerer's Stone, it was really an intro book to the world. So the themes I feel like in those, in that book in particular was about belonging, like finding your place, identity, and magic, like mm-hmm. what is magic and setting that world up. What kind of themes did you see in Chamber of Secrets? Um, so uh, there was a lot of, like we start to see, I guess, more of, I want to call it bullying or like um, you have a yeah. word listed here, like prejudice. Um, it's it's not just our world. You know, in Harry Potter, there's people who have two magical parents or no magical parents or one magical parent um, and one muggle. Um, There's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's people that come from different, I guess, like breeds, like giants and things like that. 
there's, you know, some yeah. one of the professors is a dwarf. And so, like, there's different, you know, there's different prejudices that start showing up, and we see that meanness a lot more in this book, in my opinion. No, I agree 100%. I kind of feel like it's, like, in, like, the the Sorcerer's Stone is, like, kindergarten. <laughs> like, it's, you, you show up, you're just excited to meet people that are not your parents, you might be a little shy, a little scared, you want to, like, find where you belong, and, like, everything's, like, um, like, amazing. And then the more you spend time in school, the more time you spend time in a system or with a group of people, you start to see the imperfections in it. Um, and I feel like in this book, they start to really lay out, okay, not only is there magic, not only is it being kept secret um, from the muggles out of safety, not only was this horrible thing happened in the past with Voldemort, um, but there's also remnants of that horrible past with Voldemort that still exists um, in the school today, whether it's Malfoy hating on Ron Weasley, who's a pureblood, right? 100% magic. Should be on his list of people to love, right? If he's that prejudiced person. Right. Um, but no, he still hates the Weasleys. And the reason why he hates the Weasleys is because the Weasleys are not well-off. They're not affluent. They're poor, right? So they're not. They're just as bad as, as people who are not fully magical in that prejudiced mind. So you got classism that exists and also prejudice that starts to be at the forefront where um, people who are muggle-born, which are people who are born in non-magical parents who... Um, happen to get, I don't know, that magical gene in the DNA uh, randomly, um, or people who are half-blood not being as good as people as who are pure-blood. Um, and it's we find out through the storytelling that it's not just an issue with the Malfoys, who tend to be the most explicit about it in the um, Harry Potter stories, um, but it's also entrenched in the Hogwarts history. Um and the decision-making of the founders about who should go to Hogwarts. Um, and so there's just multiple layers to this idea of who should be educated, who should be magical, um, that starts to get introduced in this book in particular. Mm, I agree. Uh, I, I really lo- I love Draco Malfoy, but I really start to hate him in this book. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's very hateable <laughs> in this book. It is true, um, and obviously we know that he's you know indoctrinated by his his parents because hate is learned. Just like my kindergarten reference, most kindergartners and young kids, when you put them in a playground, they're not looking around going, "Oh, that person's black" or "That person's this." They're just like, "Oh my God, people to play with." <laughs> um, that's something that over time we teach them to be weird about. Um, so obviously it is something that was taught to him, um, but he is definitely hateable and punchable in this book in particular. So what did you prefer? Obviously we've only talked about two books, um, but did you prefer Sorcerer's Stone or Chamber of Secrets? Um, I, well, this is a hard one. Oh my. Um, so I like Sorcerer's Stone because it's like a fresh look. Everything's new. We're just like it was new for Harry, it was new for us. So it's all exciting. But Chamber of Secrets, yeah. I like because we start to see them grow up. We start to see them adapt the skills they're learning, um, and really kind of start to grow as these little these kids turning into teenagers, like getting closer and closer to that age. Um, so that's a hard one for me. 
I, I want to say I like the yeah. original just a little bit better. Sorcerer's Stone, just a tad. And I'm I'm going to go with Chamber of Secrets because um, I can get more political with it. In terms of, like, being complex about the story, Chamber of Secrets takes it to the next level. Um, Sorcerer's Stone, though, would be the one that I would go to for, like, an escape. Like, if I was going to watch, like, a hug, like a hug movie, I would watch the Sorcerer's Stone yep. movie. Without a shadow of a doubt. That's one giant hug. Um, and I'd also read the Sorcerer's Stone book for the same reason. Um, and then, obviously, <laughs> as the series progresses, it gets more and more dark and more and more complex. All right. Um, any other general thoughts before we start talking about um, some of the things that happen in the book? Uh, no. I'm excited okay. about this book. All right, hey, uh... so, by the way, if we didn't tell you this before, we're going to spoiler the crap out of this. So if you're like <laughs> one person out of a billion who haven't seen the movies or watched them or seen the movies or read the books, now is the time to like turn it off and, and read the book and then come back. Because we're not, I think enough time has passed <laughs> for us not to worry about that. All right, so right. one of my favorite things, and this is actually in my top three talking points, so I'm going to talk about it within the context of this, is that at the beginning of uh, the story, we find Harry in his, the same miserable setting. He, we found him in with the first book, with the Dursleys being neglected mm-hmm. and treated horribly. But mm-hmm. then something amazing happens. What amazing ha- thing happened, Kristen? I don't. You're. I don't know. <laughs> we okay. So Harry is in his bedroom. He's alone, being treated like crap. But then who comes at the window? No oh. other than Ron Weasley and the twins and the flying car. Oh, I the flying car. love the flying car. All of the scenes in the flying car I love, are amazing. I love Whether the Weasleys. It, <laughs> Anything all the Weasleys do. That's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but look, all of the scenes, whether it's um, the flying car where the Weasleys are busting out Harry from the horrific existence of the Dursleys, or whether it's Ron and mm-hmm. Harry solo trying to get to Hogwarts um, and then crashing into the Whomping Willow. All of the scenes are fantastic in the book. Very, very funny. I kind of wish I had a, a, a flying car. Um, so that I love. Another thing that happens is that once they rescue Harry, we finally get to see the burrow, um, which is the residence of the Weasley. So what did you think about the description of the burrow and kind of, um, the characterization of that house? I love the burrow. I love the way they describe it. And I gotta say, I know we're talking books. But I feel like the book description was nailed in the in the movie. So I got to give credit there. But the book description literally describes it as it, like this stack. It's like they just kept stacking. And that's what it looked like in the in the movie, which was amazing. I, like, I love it. Like, oh, crap. We've had another child. Let's magically put this bedroom on. Right. Let's just add another. And I just love that there's like a ton of stairs and it's like, cozy it's like cluttered but cozy 
not messy. It's mm-hmm. just there's a lot of people on a little space. And they just it don't is. care it's, that Harry joins them. It's it, To me, the Hogwarts, I mean, the borough is kind of the manifestation of the Weasleys themselves. It's this, like, warm, comforting, chaotic, good, <laughs> like, setting to be in. Um, both a hug and a, like, you know, a haphazard, like, Molly doing her the best she can with the crazy amounts of children she has. Um, and just being a really magical place. Uh, to me, the borough is um, probably one of the places that I would choose to live. Not only that, they have, like, farm animals and stuff, which I think is cool. Um, so the borough is yep. pretty sweet. Um, and because of that, we get to meet a little bit more of the Weasley family. So obviously we knew about um, George and Fred from the first book. Um, and we get introduced a little bit more to Molly Weasley, who we also saw in the first book, but very, very slightly. Now, Kristen, you said as one of your favorite things about this book is meeting and getting to know Mrs. Weasley. So do you want to explain that a bit more? Yeah. So we met Miss Weasley briefly in the first one when Harry's trying to go into the uh, platform nine and three quarters. Um, and I liked her then, but we really get to know her. Like, she's yelling at her kids, and then she's like, oh, hello, Harry. Like, she's so, she loves Harry, and as their relationship grows, I know in this book, like, um, she does treat, um, slowly start to treat him more like a son, like, right from the get-go, like, sending him presents, you know, always included in the same um, but I just love her. She's she's crazy, and I feel like she's me if I had that many children. <laughs> she reminds me of like the classic. I like, she's not Italian, obviously, but she she reminds me of that Italian mother, yeah. like the the one who gets mad when you don't call her back, um, and who loves you fiercely and will kill anyone. Like obviously with Bellatrix Lestrange, she did. Um, but oh, yeah. she would kill anyone who hurts her family, um, but yell at them when they're acting like monkeys and just like, to me, she's like the quintessential like, like, Italian mama bear kind of mom. Like I'm the only one that can kill my family. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly that. Um, and yeah. she is a little bit, um, more of the, the high strung one of the partnership between her and Mr. Weasley, I would say. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 150%. <laughs> um, but Molly's amazing. Um, I super so enjoyed amazing. having Arthur Weasley. Um, I enjoy Arthur Weasley. I think he's the perfect partner for Molly. He's a lot more laid back, has a really good sense of humor, um, is fascinated by muggles and, and has muggle. a shed for yeah, and has like a shed full of like random Muggle things, um, which I, I just, like, like every time. I every time he talks to Harry, he's like, "Tell me about this," and it's always like, "Tell me about the telephone," and tell me like he's so fascinated by the the things that we do as humans that 
you know, it's the <laughs> muggles that it's just funny. Every time he talks, I just smile. I love the whole Weasley family. Except it, for the Percy. reason why is because he's, he's, he's a nerd. Like, like if, if he would be on our show and he would have a podcast about muggles, like that's, that's his thing. That's his, oh, that's his jam. He's super fascinated by it. He's super passionate about it. He gets a one-track mind about it. So I guess I really admire a fellow nerd who is super passionate about something. And not only that, he just has a really good moral compass um, in terms of how to treat people. Um, He doesn't want to get promotions because he loves his job because he's really into muggles, and other people might not understand that, but he's doing his thing. Mm. And even though he's not making a lot of money, he's still a very well-respected person at the ministry. Um, so he's he's just that kind of guy, and he just seems like a fun dad. Um, and I can just picture the dynamics between Arthur and Molly raising those kids. Uh, I think it's it's a fun like I would love to see like scenes of them dealing with like Fred and George when they're eight. Oh yeah, can you imagine them? Like that would just be. Fun. It'd be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get a little bit of taste of the burrow and we meet some more Weasleys, which is never a bad thing. We also get a little bit look at um, more variety ways to travel. So we already knew about the broom. We yes. knew about the flying motorcycle. Um, we now have the flying car. And then we learned about something about cold flu powder, which is you travel from one chim- one chimney to the next. Um, which they use to get to Diagon Alley to prepare for the new school year. So which travel option do you prefer? Um, I mean, I would prefer to operate because it's, it's fast. I don't think I'd like flu powder traveling. The way he Harry describes it is there's lots of spinning. I would be super nauseous. Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think me. I'd just go with a I, I think I'm sticking the flying car. Just that's just a flying car. Too. That's awkward. Yeah. Flying car. How um, much cooler can you get? So we go to Diagon Alley, uh, which we 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 knew about from the first book. Um, but we learn about a different part of uh Diagon Alley called Nocturne Alley. <laughs> which is, like, the shady part of Diagon Alley, um, where there's more yeah. underground selling weird objects that are potentially dangerous. Um, would you ever go to Nocturne Alley? Or would you avoid it? Absolutely like, not. Sound, the when, way it's described, it's, 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 it sounds so dirty. <laughs> it does sound so dirty. Mm-hmm. I think I would just go to see what kinds of people go there. Oh yeah, totally. Just to like spy slightly, especially if I'm the invisible ability cloak. <laughs> the spy on them. Check it out. But they would That's probably awesome. have a um, a thing to detect that at Diagon on on Nocturne Alley. Um, and then something amazing happened um, at this time um, at the bookstores, but we meet two other characters that we haven't seen before. Um, one of those people being Gilderoy Lockhart. What do you think about Gilderoy Lockhart? Oh, my God. He's so annoying. Like, I don't get it. 
I don't I don't get the swoon that all the girls. I mean, I guess he could be dreamy, but <sighs> I don't know. He's, he annoys me. Like from the get, I was like, oh, you're not my kind of people at all. It was like the one of the things that you like were like Molly, really. Why are you so into yeah, I'm him? Like, could you not? <laughs> could you not? <laughs> not be Because I don't like him. Stop it. Oh. No, he's he yeah, he's obviously a fraud. Um, he's 100%. bullshit. He takes stories from people. Uh, but do you know mm-hmm. what house he is? I, I Hufflepuff. <laughs> yeah, Ravenclaw. He's a Ravenclaw. I could see that. I guess. And I, 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 I like know. that. Yeah, I, I, I feel that... like he doesn't believe in any. He doesn't believe he in any? In none. No, he doesn't belong <laughs> in any of them. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I enjoy that they put him in Raven, that she put him in Ravenclaw is because I do think that there is toxic behaviors in all of them. And... In Ravenclaw, you want to be, you know, like, you want to be that wisdomous, knowledgeable person. And that's what he wants, too, as well. He just doesn't have the skills to do it, right? He's not that smart. He's not that capable. He's definitely not that brave. So he found a way to look smart um, so that he can become famous by taking other people's stories, right? And then putting those brain alterations on those people who actually live those adventures. Um, so to me, it makes sense. He's probably a hybrid Slytherin-Ravenclaw. Um, but I can see him as a Ravenclaw. And he is, of course, um, been named as the new Defense of Dark Arts teacher. Another person that terrible. we met was Lucius Malfoy. And one of my no. favorite scenes is Arthur Weasley punching Lucius Malfoy. That just made me so happy. <laughs> I had a lot of respect one of my for favorite. Arthur at that moment. <laughs> yes. I was like, yes. That was like one of those moments where I literally cheered while reading. Yes. I also cheered when Hermione punched Malfoy, too. So, yeah. Malfoy's getting anyone punched. punching a Malfoy, oh, I'm okay with. Sure, they, they they deserve it. They need a punch. They make horrible life decisions. Um, what did you think of Lucy's Malfoy? Terrible. And all these people that have weird cross relationship things <laughs> for Lucius and Hermione need to stop it. Um, it's no, wrong. He's just so many from. Levels. It is wrong. And you know what? The way he is described in the book, like the pointy nose, just like Draco, like you just know. I could picture him, and he's got that look like, you disgust me because you're beneath me. That's the look I I feel like is constantly on his face because he thinks he's better than everyone. Yes, I agree. I think he has um, progressing I'm better than you face. He's got like an RBF. RBF for a man. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Uh, 
but yes, I, I think he's a horrific man. I think he is an abusive, a horrible father too. Um, and oh yeah, just not not worthy of fictionally being shipped <laughs> overall, with Hermione Granger. Overall, terrible human. That is all. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Um, we also. Learn about a new species of people called house elves, uh-huh. and we meet one in particular called Dobby. So, Kristen, I'm going to get out of the way because you seem to be super into Dobby. I love Dobby. Now, Dobby is kind of annoying at the beginning of <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. Uh, he's annoying in the sense that. Um, he's the reason him and Ron have to use the flying car even more. Um, and so, uh, you know, he he tries he tries so many things to like I don't know. Dobby is this he he always has the best intentions and they always turn out terribly, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he always has the best intentions. He's from day one always trying to protect. Harry, but he's also very abusive to himself, and we later find out that's because Lucius Malfoy is his handler, and he's a terrible person. Yeah. Um, so Dobby actually has one of my favorite scenes in this, um, and it's he becomes free. He does. I love free Dobby. Me and too. I love he deserved it. Lucius Malfoy off. Yes. Exactly. That <laughs> is what made Malfoy him better. Yeah. Um, and that. that makes me happy. Just, and just speaking to the um, thoughts that you were having that Dobby has the best intentions, but it doesn't always go to plan. Um, either making the situation worse. He's the reason why Ron and, and Harry had to use the flying car because they missed their, you know, like all those things. Um, and Ron has a great line that I just found. So Dobby stopped us from getting on the train and broke your arm. You know what, Harry? If he hasn't stopped trying to save your life, he's going to kill you. Yes. And and that yes. is Dobby That's in true. a nutshell. He tries so hard, but just ends in disaster. <laughs> Yeah, he he's always like, I'm going to save you. And Harry's like, please stop. <laughs> please stop trying to save no. me. That'd be swell. End up. All right. Um, so now we're going to get to the heart of the story. So these are obviously we've already talked about the people we've met. Now it's going to be the, the idea. So Chamber of Secrets is a part of the school um, that was made by Salazar Slytherin who believe that only pure bloods should be educated. Um, and the myth goes that he locks this basilisk, which is this giant snake, which I hope to never meet in my entire life, um, into the school. Um, he locks it down there, and <laughs> the chamber gets reopened. Now, why in the world did they not go look for the basilisk? If they knew this myth was around here... Why not go and kill it because it's in a school? That's my question. 
Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, especially, like, I feel like for as smart as they make Dumbledore, like, he knows everything. He knew Harry had the, you know, was under the thing. And there's so many times in the stories where Dumbledore knows things and you're like, how does he know? He just does. He knows everything. I'm like, how did he not know the basilisk is real, where to find it, and how to get rid of it? Right? Like, that's, like, the thing that blows my mind. And like, and like, Ron, I... I was just going to say, and that Gilderoy Lockhart's an idiot. How did he not know that? <laughs> All of these things. But it's true, though. Like, and, and they got really lucky, because just in case you didn't catch this in the book, the reason why no one died, the Moaning Myrtle, who's another person we met in this book that I just remember on top of my head. Uh, we'll talk about her in a second. Moaning Myrtle actually died the last time the Chamber of Secrets was opened um, because she got the full look of the Basilisk. Because if you look the Basilisk directly in the eye, you're dead. The reason no one else died is because they saw the Basilisk indirectly, either through water or through a mirror, right? So they got super lucky that everyone just happened to see it indirectly. And they had someone die. Like, why did they not investigate this? I have a lot of questions, and if I was a parent, I'd probably sue. But anyway. <laughs> um, so there's that. So Hogwarts itself, like we said, Hogwarts itself, its founding had a lot of complications and a lot of bad history. The founding fathers, did, the founding fathers of Hogwarts didn't get along with each other all the time. They had different ideas about how the school was supposed to run. One was a racist, right. or the magical equivalent of a racist. Um, and so that history is very much ingrained in the culture of the wizarding community within Great Britain, and probably across the world um, in different levels. Um, Moaning Myrtle. What did you think about her? Yep. So in the book... She's a little annoying. In the movie, she's super annoying. In the audiobook, she is the most annoying character ever. So, audiobook, Moaning Myrtle is terrible. Yeah, like, Moaning Myrtle, in the, maybe it's because I don't like her voice, but she is so annoying. But, I don't know, I feel like in the book, she's not as terrible as she is in the movie, so... I think it's probably because we can we can make her voice as annoying as we want to in her own mind um, compared to that. But yeah, no, I mean she's she's a very creepy. I mean, as the books progress, she becomes more like there's more evidence that she's kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> so she's creepy and weird and dark, um, and obviously died. Um, but she could be entertaining at times. I have to admit. Yeah. Kind of like a Debbie Downer kind of person. Um, but yeah, yeah, like when he's in, when in a later book, he's in a bathtub, she's quite entertaining in that scene in the book. Yes. Entertainingly creepy. creepy. Right. Creepy. Exactly. Um, and then we also learned about how Hagrid got expelled. So we knew that he wasn't allowed to do magic, um, in the first book, but we didn't really know the context for why. Um, and then we learned that there was a belief that Hagrid was the individual responsible for opening up the Chamber of Secrets instead of Tom Riddle, who ends up being um, 
Voldemort, or ends up growing up to be Voldemort. Um, what did you think about Hagrid's backstory and kind of that those details? I felt really bad for him because even when they said, oh, Hagrid was accused, he was suspended, that's why he's not supposed to do magic even though he carries that, like, umbrella thingy um, that is very clearly his wand hidden. Um, But I I feel like it's – I was instantly sad for him because just, like, the little bit we had already learned of Hagrid in the books, you know, with book one and then the beginnings of book two, you know that's like, he's not. And there was a point where I was like, well, maybe he really did because he did, you know, he does weird things for animals, the magical creatures. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm like, I don't foresee him messing around with a snake. No offense. Giant poisonous snake no. that will mummify you or petrify you. Uh, yeah, I think he. I think so. he has a line, but I mean, you could see why people would think that maybe he wouldn't have a line because Aragog is freaking terrifying. That's a big uh, spider. Yeah. That like seriously, that is the my like my nightmare was watching that play out on a big screen. I like when <laughs> I read the book, I was like, like, oh no, I was like, this is not going to be something I enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, in in your head it was bad, and then when you watched it back on screen, it was it was just it was even worse. I agree. Um, and one of the yeah, so that I totally don't understand why people think Hagrid would do it because he is the nicest person ever. Um, but yes, he does have a tendency of loving animals that might not need to be loved in that capacity. <laughs> Um, but still do not get, but he was the scapegoat, right? He was the person who, um, people blamed to make people feel better about things. Uh, but Dumbledore knew it was Riddle and, and all that. So let's talk about Voldemort now. He creates a diary. Can we Talk about the you know as people. a young kid, as a young kid, this Voldemort dude was quite smart, and it's disturbing how smart he is for being a half breed. Let's call it like it is. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be all mean. I'm gonna be mean too. You're a half breed, and you're weirdly smart. It's true. He is incredibly smart. He's a, definitely a sociopath, um, <clears throat> and a narcissist. Can, and a lot of can we talk about this diary? Who thought it Let's was a good it. idea that they were going to open this diary and write, and it started writing back, and your first thought wasn't just as possessed? Because that would be my first thought. I'd be like, oh, no, it's talking back to me. It's answering my question. There's no good, there's no good spell that would make that happen. <laughs> I would agree. I think it would be really weird. Um, and I just think it's so interesting that Lucius, like, so Lucius Malfoy is the one who puts the diary into Ginny's basket, or cauldron. And then Ginny starts, yeah, and then Ginny starts writing into the diary and becomes possessed, and she becomes the 
the person who opens up the chamber on Voldemort's behalf. Um, that plan could go so wrong for Lucius. <laughs> that was that was a very half-baked <laughs> plan, but apparently it worked. Now, what is it like? Because I agree with you. If I was writing in a diary and all of a sudden it was running back to me, I would be like, "This is freaking weird." I think even in the like, if I knew magic existed, I still think because you're going to be divulging so much of yourself in a journal. In a journal, like that's a, an amount of yeah. intimacy that you don't even tell your friends, right? Because um, your journal is like your non-censored self, right? Um, I just think, so like, what is it, like, why would you find a diary in your cauldron, you happen to open it up and start writing, and it starts writing back, and you're like, oh, this is completely natural. <laughs> so, you I'm think like, come on, that, Jenny, work with me. Do you think that was a not well-explained plot point, or do you think that there's something that Jenny was going to say that explains why she was acceptable to that? I think being new to school and her love for Harry Potter <laughs> might have had something to do with it. Um, you know, being being new, of course, is always hard. So I think she had a bit of, like, a naivety as well as just being really vulnerable to persuasion. But part of me is also like, you've got to have, a, I mean, a little bit more common sense. You're 11. You're not stupid. My child at 11 would not have been like, yeah, this is a good idea. I should do this, and I shouldn't tell anyone that this diary is talking back to me. And asking me mm-hmm. to do things that I dang well know are not good. Yeah. Agreed. But I feel like okay. it was a, it was a good, it was like an explained plot point, but at the same time, it was a poorly thought out plot point. Yeah, you had to suspend a lot. Like, you had to suspend your imagination. But then again, there are things that people do that that are reality for today that I'm still like, how could you be so stupid? Like, people getting into <laughs> sex cults. And, <laughs> you know, like, so. Oh, my God. Like, it, it just oh, could be. Can we do a show about that? <laughs> sure. Like, there's a lot of things like, how did you not know that that was going to happen? Um, they branded you with a metal be... iron. Nothing <laughs> came to mind that this is wrong. <laughs> this is not uh, But so it could be that just Tom Riddle is a very persuasive sociopath, cultic, cult-like sociopath. And yeah. Ginny was feeling me and that was the combination that was needed to to create that situation because there are I mean it it happens way more often than I think we as human beings want to admit but we are pretty manipulative like we're pretty easy to manipulate as evidenced by our politics (laughs) Um, I was just going to say Voldemort reminds me of Trump (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, charismatic and and cult like, yeah, but also grotesque at the same time. Like, yeah, like if pure blood, pure bloods are the best. But I'm like, you're not a pure blood. No, so but got like, everyone thinking you're the best. So confusing. Yeah, but Adolf Hitler also had Jewish blood in him, so that's true. 
sometimes we hate what we are. Yeah. So much. Yep. People that were not that. Yep. And make them hate the thing that you are. Um, wow, that's, that's really deep. Nice. We're getting really deep today. Um, but it's okay. <laughs> Uh, because everything survived. All the people who were mm-hmm. petrified and came back to life. Um, Yay! And, and Ginny, I, I think would be super interesting is to find out more about how Ginny copes with being possessed. I think that was a plot point that was majorly dropped. Because, like, I would yeah. think that there would be some psychological ramifications of that. Yeah, she just like, oh my god! I told my sister, Yeah, like I that I think needed to be explained a bit more. I don't know how you can go from possessed to like, I'm a firecracker. <gasps> like, like that that I think needed cool. to be explained a bit more. Um. Yeah. All right. What else? Oh yeah, Fox, the Phoenix. I love him. What I just you, want one. You, I <laughs> want one too. Especially healing, like, tears. Like, I sprained my ankle, so if I could cry on my ankle and I could walk again, that would be grand. Right. Can you just, like, cry on me? I'll be good to go. Yes. Great. That would be genius, just right? Want, we just want, like, oh. We just want like, to use it. Um, but he's pretty, too, the way you say you explain him. Mm-hmm. And he is useful for two reasons. Number one, his tears have high healing properties, but also because they can carry large weights of people, um, which gets them out of the Chamber of Secrets. So, yes. definitely good. Also, another thing that came to mind is the Sword of Gryffindor, um, which came out of the hat, which is was the um, weapon of choice that Harry used to kill um, the Basilisk. Um, and that becomes an important artifact um, for the founding fathers. Yeah. All right, anything Yeah, and it becomes else? a really big part of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, anything we see? No, I think that... I think that this story... This is not my favorite story in the series. Mm-hmm. Um enough that of like there was just a lot going on we didn't get as much character development in this book because of how much was going on I felt like we did get some don't get me wrong but I feel like other books they they grew up a little we were so focused on stupid basilisk basilisk that we didn't get as much we should get a little side story I would like to see this story from Ginny's perspective and what she was doing Yes, I would so love that, that too. And I also would love the recovering process because I don't believe it was easy. Yes. I just can't I can't imagine no, being I like, agree. Oh my god, I opened up the game for secrets. People could have been killed. Oh my god. <laughs> like, to like fine. normal. <laughs> I guess don't get right. it. Um oh. cool. All right. So for your favorite character of this book only, so not the not over the entire span of the mm-hmm. series. Who was your favorite character of this book? Kind of two. I think Ron and Hermione really made this book. Um, Harry would never have made it where he did without them, of course. Uh, but I really think 
I feel like we got to know Ron a lot, a lot, a lot. You'll probably agree with that. In this book, we got to know his personality a little bit more. He became a lot more helpful. Um, and Hermione was literally the brains of the operation chunk of it. Yeah. And so I think they were my favorites in this story. And, of course, Dobby and Dobby. I like Dobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, I think Ron wins this one because I think – I think Prisoner of Azkaban is the movie where Hermione um, has that adventure with Harry. Um, and in this book, it's, it's Ron who has the hero, the adventure with Harry. Um, yep. I think he, uh, you get to see his family. Um, you get to see how lovely his family is. Um, you get to see him face his fears, um, which is going into a giant cave with a bunch of spiders. Um you get to see how, <laughs> um, you get to see him take Hermione's clue that she left uh, when she got petrified um, that led them to finding the Chamber of Secrets um, and being that detective with with Harry. They're like the Hardy Boys in this movie or in this book, um, and I just felt like he was he showed his loyalty and he showed how. Um, dedicated he is to kind of show up for his friends even when he is incredibly uncomfortable. So that's why I'm going to give it to Ron. Now, you um, have been listening to the audiobook. Um, did you, okay. is there any thoughts about that that you wanted to share? So, um, I really hate Moaning Myrtle. In the book, I mentioned that earlier. Her voice, I mean, it's the voice. The voice does it. And the, the, uh, Jim Dale is the, um, the person doing the, the reading in this book. And he does phenomenal voices, but Moaning Myrtle's man, who, I can't, she annoys mm-hmm. me. Um, but listening to the book has, like, little things about the story, like, little things about how they get down into the Chamber of Secrets, um, how they get past the the different obstacles. Um, There's just little things about it that are different. Um, I feel like Ron's even snarkier in the the book than he is in the movie, and it really stands out in the audio book because you hear (laughs) the voice actor doing it. And I love the movie, but when you're reading, you can put so much snark into it. But when somebody else is reading it to you and they're they're doing it how they feel it's described, it's different. So I just feel like the characters are just a little bit more in the audiobook than they are when I'm reading because somebody is virtually acting them out for the basic right. gist of it. So it, it's Makes been sense. interesting picking up little things that I've missed. And as for the movie, I don't I don't have too many issues with Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets is a pretty small book. I felt like they covered all the things that needed to be covered. Um, mm-hmm. All of the characters that were introduced were also introduced in the movie. Um, so I really don't have any major issues just with my ongoing um, upsetness of the railroading that happened to Ron. <laughs> like, for instance, the facing... The spiders thing, it was more of like they made it a comical scene, probably to offset um, how scary it is to kids 
that's probably why they made that cinematic choice. But I that's think they lose true. the fact that um, they probably, but they did lose the fact that he was facing his greatest fear, man. Like, he's not an idiot. He went in there knowing he was going to face his fear, and he did it. So, mad props to him. And if we can be fair, if we're going to be fair here, I would have never made it into the forest. I would have turned around and left. So, <laughs> no. props to Ron. <laughs> A hard pass. I'm like, here, you're on your own. I got to go. I'll get a new best friend. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people would, which is, I think is is what's so upsetting about the movie Assassination of Ron is because he is that friend that goes beyond what I think most of us would do. So yep. my every episode, there will probably be a moment in which I defend Ron. So just <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> That's fine. Ron deserves it. Any other thoughts before I clo- we close our conversation? No, I think Chamber of Secrets was a great book. They made a great movie out of a great book. And I actually really like the next book. So I'm excited to talk about that next time. Next books and TV. Me too. Um, so we will be back two weeks He'll talk about Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, so watch out for that. All right, so Kristen, what is your nerdy obsession? All right, so my nerdy obsession right now is work. <laughs> um, I've returned to full-time in office instead of working virtually from home. So I'm kind of adapting to that schedule, and I work more than one job, so I'm very tired most of the time. Um, so this is really late for me. Like, I'm in bed by now. Um, so if I yawned, I apologize. It's, it's not you, it's me. Uh, but I've been doing that. And <laughs> I've so heard that before. A lot of times I'm just, right, I'm too tired to, like, watch a show and really focus on it. So I'll pick up my book and read a few chapters before going to sleep. So really just reading, catching up on my reading goals for myself, and that's been my focus. Very cool. Well, I um, I sprained my ankle. It's much better now. The only thing I have Doing to do is going downstairs now. So up, upstairs is fine. Walking is fine now. Just downstairs. But when I first sprained it, I really couldn't move. So I've just been rewatching the entire Law and Order universe, and I'm doing it chronological. It. So I watched season one through ten of Law and Order, and then. Once I got to when SVU started, I, I'm now watching an episode of SVU and then Law and Order and then SVU and then Law and Order. And it's super cool to see mm-hmm. how many of the defense attorneys are a play in both. And it just it's it, it's a different take of Law and Order that I think is really cool. And once I get to when Criminal Intent starts, mm-hmm. um, I'll do the same thing there. So that's what I'm doing. That's awesome. So basically, I just think everyone is here to commit a crime. Every noise is just waiting for the inevitable. Valid. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We want feedback on what to discuss in the world of nerdum. So please give us feedback and follow us at talknerdy underscore radio. 
We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you bookmark nerdprobs.com for articles, blogs, and reviews. Join our book club on Facebook called Just One More Chapter. We're going to book clubs mm-hmm. and look it up that way. Um, and me and Kristen will be back to talk about something when it comes to music, music and movies, movies. Um, next Tuesday. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll see you soon. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.